Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. They have nothing to live for but for the present. They forget all about the eternity. They forget all about that they have to give an account of how they live their life at the judgment seat of Christ, not to determine whether to go to heaven or not, but for the rewards that they'll get there. So they're perfectly consistent with, in this verse, religion. And, and the concept is they're perfectly, perfectly content in their new philosophy of life, even though they're a Christian. It goes on to say they have no God to supply their physical or their spiritual needs. That's where I would take issue. They do have a God. They're just choosing not to go to him. They're ignorant of God's supply and have no claim on it. They might be ignorant only because they forgot how good God really is. Now, that being said, now we're going to really begin to land the plane and become very practical. When I've given you these eight principles, some of you are now perhaps at a stage saying, I really do want to realign my life back up to what does God want me to do on a practical level. So I've, I'm putting together a three-point series, and we've already covered last week, how do we get our money? Today's topic is, how do we guard our money? In future weeks, I'm going to talk about what does the Bible really have to say about giving from a heart that's just generous to start with, regardless of money and resources. So we're going to talk about giving. That's another message for another time. Right now, what does the Bible have to say about getting? If you recall, over here on this side, last week I set up this little bucket over here. How many of you remember my bucket? Remember my bucket? Okay. And then I had nine little cups of water here, and those that's for those of you that are listening and you're not here to be able to see this. In these nine little cups of water, I was really answering two questions. Why am I short of money? And then how could I get more money so that I could fill up my bucket that seems to be very empty? And I need to fill up my bucket with more finances because I have bills to pay. I have issues. I want to take care of some things for the future, whatever it might be. I need to put more in here, especially because I have a greater need. So the question is, why am I short of money? If you remember, we talked about why we're short of money. And I did it in a contrasting way stinginess versus someone who would be generous, all right? Well, instead of going the negative route, let's just talk about the positive. If I want to fill up this bucket, I don't, I don't want to be stingy. I want to be generous. So what I'm going to do is the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to own the fact that I can never outgive God and that once I have a heart to give, God then says, you now need to have more to replenish what you've given. So he's looking for someone who's got a very generous heart. So he what do we do? We take our little bit of generosity and we start pouring it in. We start seeing how much we can now give to other people. And it becomes a great thing. Then we have people that come into our life and they remind us how that we need to be discerning. Discerning means to be very careful before we make a purchase. Be very careful of what we do. So we pour some more of the resources God gives us into our, our bucket here for more resources. And then we also know that we need to be open for someone to come alongside us to teach us, especially when we might step outside the bounds. So we put in some more of this resources because uh, we're teachable and we come to sessions like this. We buy books on this. We go to counselors to help us. Well, that's not enough. So we also realize that we need to work a little bit harder. So we're a little bit more diligent. So we're tremendously diligent. We work harder and longer and faster to, to get more money in there. Well, at the same time, I realize, okay, we have to be thrifty. So we tend to be even more thrifty as we do all of this. Well, that's not enough. So at the same time, we, we need to be truthful because if we tell lies, we have a big problem when we lie. 
And when we lie, that could get us into trouble. We lose friends. We lose maybe our job over that. We could uh, even go to jail when we lie. So we have more problems. Well, if that doesn't work, we say, okay, I'm going to just uh, maybe take on a few extra jobs. So I'm going to work a little bit harder as I do that. Well, <clears throat> I come alongside some of you and you say, you know, Stan, if you were a little bit more creative, that might bring in some more money. Maybe multiple streams of income. Maybe you could do some things to add to what you have. So you add more creativity to it. And then, of course, we realize as Christians, we can just ask God. And when we petition the Lord, we say, Lord, I really have a need. I'm your son. And would you take care of me? Would you provide this for me? So we do a lot of praying and we add that to it as well. I'm sorry about my bucket over here. I really apologize. But um, there's one thing I didn't put here because these are things that we can do. There's something that the Lord does to us to provide for us on the getting of money or resources that has nothing to do with anything we do. And here's what it is. It's there are times in our life that we didn't do any of this stuff right here, but the Lord steps in and he just gives you something. Have you ever had a gift given to you that you did not expect? Three or four weeks ago, Carol and I were sitting here in church and they called us up to the front and you all or whoever it was in here, you decided that you wanted to give us a gift to go away to another island to stay at a nice hotel and they have three or four days away just for, for us for being here nine years and being married and all that, and which we're very grateful. We didn't ask anybody. We had no idea it was going to happen. We didn't ask the Lord for it. I don't think I worked for it. We certainly didn't deserve it. What did God do? He stepped in and then he poured that into our life. Some of you young people especially, when you begin to graduate and you begin to go on to your life, you're going to find that people will be giving you gifts at certain times that you did not expect. They will give you that. Those of you that are in ministry, especially you missionaries that are listening to me now, there'll be times that people are going to give you something. You never notified them of a need. You never asked God. They just said, you know, the Lord laid it on my heart, and I don't know how that works, but I want you to have that. So there'll be times. But did you notice my problem I had with this bucket? You know what the problem I had? I have holes in the bottom of my bucket. All right? Now, I did this for a reason. I did it because... I don't care how hard you work, how hard you pray, all the good stuff that you do, if you do not plug the holes in the bottom of your bucket, you can pour all this stuff in and it'll keep coming out and you still will not have enough to pour out, to give like we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. So what you need to do is not get another bucket. You don't need to add any more cups. God gave you all that you need for him to provide for your basic needs of life and for others spiritually for his glory to build his kingdom. It's all there. The problem is it's not more of this that we need. It's not more seminars we need to go to. It just means we've got to figure out what are the holes in the bottom of our bucket that we need to plug. And that's where we are for today. So go back to your notes and let me go through these pretty quickly, all right? How to guard your money. First of all, we need to pay our bills promptly. It's interesting that these passages of Scripture that we're looking at are coming from mostly from the book of Proverbs that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, prompted on the heart of Solomon, who was known as the wisest person who ever lived. No one was wiser before him, during him, or since then. It also said God granted him with so much honor and riches that at that time, it says, that he was the richest man in all the world. I thought that was interesting because it didn't say he was the richest man who ever, ever lived. It just said in that time. The rest of it, wisdom was more than anybody else. So he was the richest man at that time. So in your own mind, who do you think is the richest person in the world? And just put it in your mind. Who is that right now? Well, in this particular case, it'd be as if that person is now telling you how to plug the holes in the bottom of your bucket. And I'm thinking, maybe that's how you can become rich. 
is by following these principles. Just a thought, just a thought. So pay bills properly. Look at the verse here in Proverbs 3.27 and 28. It says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it today. Now, many of people, uh, you maybe, have um, you use your credit cards and they allow you to extend past the month that it's due. We call it extend past the grace period. And they call it interest. You now pay interest. And on that interest that you have, you could pay a whole lot of money on that interest only because we didn't pay that bill fully, completely on time. And so now they say, okay, you want to hold your money a little longer and not pay us back? We're going to charge you more for it. So all of a sudden, we're building up all of this interest. There's a gentleman in San Antonio, Texas, who a dear friend of ours in our church when I pastored there years ago, he came in as a new husband, just a couple of years old, and his wife was about ready to leave him. And uh, he had all the vestiges of looking very wealthy. He had a Mercedes. He wore the right clothes. He went to the right restaurants. He kind of hobnobbed with the right people. But he came in and he says, I want you to know I'm about ready to lose everything. I'm $100,000 in consumer debt. And I said, $100,000 in consumer debt? And he said, yes, I am. He said, they're about ready to take everything from me and my wife is ready to leave me. I don't know what to do. You know, it's neat when someone comes to you when they're so broken because sometimes you can't help people to think they already have it together. He was so broken. But it's even neater when you know when you have someone like that that you can sit in your office and look them right in the eye and say, I have an answer and I can promise you, you can get out of this situation because in the authority of God's word by his power for his glory and if you will apply that to your life, you will get out of debt. This man said, I'll do whatever you tell me. I said, don't do whatever I tell you, just do what I'm going to teach you. What I taught him is what I'm teaching you right now on how to guard your money. How did he get $100,000 in the debt? One credit card. And so he was running out of the max of that credit card. So we got another credit card to pay off this credit card, to take that credit card. So he had multiple credit cards. And now they're all coming to kind of like a Ponzi scheme against himself, trying to take care of all of this stuff. It took him no longer than three years. He was completely out of debt. And his face was on the cover of San Antonio Monthly, Texas Monthly, as the entrepreneur of the year. And God took over. I believe it's a testimony to the Lord of someone who by God's power, you don't do it by trying, you do it by trusting. What do you trust? You trust his word to be truth and you do it. And God honored him for that. And so pay your bills promptly. That's going to help you tremendously. Pay it immediately and completely. In my notes, I was thinking about this and I thought, I need an example. Who, who did this? I can give you this friend of mine. He did a great job, but... Who paid the bill immediately and completely? And it wasn't even his bill. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid it promptly when he said he would. He paid it completely. Not little here, little there. Not some sin, little sin. He did it completely for you and me. And so now we have him living inside of us to help us to be able to do what he tells us to do. Number two, build sales resistance. This is an interesting verse because in Proverbs 20:14 it says, bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away, then he boasts of what he had. Uh, basically, what he's doing is manipulating the system because he wants to get something and then brag about it later. So he has no sales resistance. So for some of us, it might mean this. 
telemarketers. How many of you have been plagued at least in the last year with a telemarketer or two that might have gotten through that block that they say that they have? Anybody hit on a telemarketer? How many of you have been down Waikiki and they have all these people trying to sell you these timeshares? They want you to come in for free this and free that. You know what I'm trying to say. I love my wife. She's um, is the sweetest person in all the world. She's their phlegmatic, easygoing, um, sweet, sensitive, shy Carol in most ways, except when a telemarketer would call. Now, when a telemarketer calls me, my pastor is hard. You think I'm really dominant. I guess I am. But when a telemarketer calls, the first thing that comes to my mind is he probably needs the money. Probably his kids are without shoes. I, I, I need to listen to it. I can't just, I'm a, I can't just do this. And, and Carol says, just, just tell him no. Just tell him no. I can't, I, can't, I can't do that. I'm a pastor, you know? And so she one time said, I'll show you how to do it. Next time a telemarketer calls, so one called. And Carol was so sweet. It, I, she, most everybody said, just tell him now, just tell him now. My wife says, just say this. And she, no, thank you. And then she hangs up, <laughs> all right? So she adds that little bit. I don't want you to be rude. Don't get that part of the illustration, but get this though. And this point that I'm trying to make is there'll be people that will be bombarding you with advertisement to make you feel that what you have isn't enough or you need this to be secure or significant out in the world And so they will do everything they can to try to appeal to whatever part of you to be able to make that sale. I get that. That's part of what we do, our economy. And sometimes there's a whole lot of swindlers and scammers out there that's doing it. To help us to guard our money, the most important thing to do is build the sales resistance. I will explain it in a practical point in a few moments. Number three, there's a difference between saving and hoarding. There's a difference between saving and hoarding. Saving is biblical Hoarding is not. What is the difference between hoarding? Well, hoarding has a different attitude about it. Oftentimes, hoarding could come something like this. Uh, you know what? Um, the Lord might not provide later on, so I have got to accumulate as much as I can right here. Now, you don't say that, but you kind of don't have that confidence in the Lord, so we're getting as much as we can now. So all of a sudden, our investments or maybe our retirement wasn't what we were hoping it to be. Maybe someone's sweating, and all of a sudden, we're really worrying about it. When we live for the Lord, God can take care of us and will take care of us in the future. In some measure, there will be someone there. Now, let me pause. Why? Another reason why to be vitally connected and a member of a local church is part of the responsibility of a church and an extended family. Your physical, earthly family should be there to take care of you should things go south. So we don't hoard. We use what we have for His glory. It doesn't mean that we give up everything. We live in some bush somewhere. No. We are to say we just don't hoard. Now, why would some people hoard? Some people hoard because in their mind they go shopping and they always got to, they're driven by the overextension of the strength of getting the best buy. So this is a good buy. I might not get this buy the next time, so I better buy it now. And so now they buy this now and then they buy that now. So wherever they go, they're always having to get the best buy. So I would be careful, if you don't mind, as I say this in all love, we all need our big box stores on the island. We use them. There's only two of us. You should see where we keep all the rolls of you-know-what, you know, because there's only two of us. But I don't need 15 cases of this because last week it wasn't on sale. This week it is, so let's get some more. So pretty soon my whole house is choked with rolls of you-know-what. It isn't, but it could be if we think we always got to accumulate more because we got to get the best buy. So big box stores can be a challenge. Going through all the food sections of the newspapers can be something for those that have a tendency to say, I better get it now because it's going to go up in price. 
there's a fine line between shopping ahead and storing it for what you're going to use, but there's also that giving away the money. May I say this, and I'm saying this to my sweet wife, we, we just be careful of going to garage sales every week. <laughs> now, remember, I'm going to go home with Carol. All right. Hopefully. All right. What I want to remind you of is that sometimes you can accumulate so much stuff at garage sales that your whole house is choked with it, thinking, ooh, if I buy it for a dollar, I can sell it for two. Well, maybe you can. Enough said. I'm going to leave that alone so I have a ride home. All right, saving versus hoarding. Go back to the verse. It says, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Now, if you will, take your pen and underline the phrase, in the dwelling. In the dwelling means is that somehow it had to get there and somehow it had to stay there because someone was guarding it. They managed it properly. They saved it. So there's precious treasure and oil in the house. It had to get there. But a foolish man swallows it up. In other words, uses it all up, doesn't save it properly. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I love this. Wealth and riches are, there it is again, in his house. So when you live for the Lord, you do his principles for his glory, his way, then God will honor that and you will have wealth. Now, wealth I know is relative. All of us are wealthy if you compare it to the people who live in Afghanistan, perhaps. And so some of us are going to be very poor if you compare it to some people that live in other parts of the country or the world. I get that. But when we live for the Lord, the Lord will take care of our basic needs of life and, yea, often will give us generously even more. And that's why this verse says wealth and riches are in his house. So it's in his house because it had to get into his house. And how did he get in his house? Is because they followed the Lord and what we've been teaching, the biblical principles. And then it says, and his righteousness endures forever. So doing for the Lord is not just so I get more stuff. You're doing for the Lord in a righteous way because you love him with all of your heart. And that means part of your life will be when it comes across a biblical principle. You know it, you apply it, you live it no matter the cost. And God continues to bless that kind of a life. Number four, avoid co-signing. And I put in parentheses there, partnerships. Avoid co-signing and partnerships. Now this in itself almost could be an entire message because there needs some qualification on it, but it won't be. I carefully chose the word avoid because I didn't want you to hear that it's a sin to do these things. It's telling you though, that you are on a slippery slope if you do it. If someone comes to you and they need special help and they say, in order to help me, would you co-sign? And generally, most of the co-signing relationships are often done in families between a young person who says, Dad, I can't get this car, would you co-sign? All right, and so you end up co-signing. You might have a, an extended family member, a brother, an uncle, a grandson, a nephew, whatever, niece. Doesn't matter. There's that co-signing. When you get involved in churches and you develop wonderful, intimate, close relationships, sometimes you're closer to a church person than you are to a regular family member, and you get in the deep weeds and you want someone to sign for you. It doesn't say don't do that. It does say in this context that if the person for whom you co-signed is now called for that money and he doesn't have it, that means you then have to cover him for that co-signing situation. So your mindset should be, I would rather give it to him or assume that I've given it to him even though he said he would give it back because if he can't give it back, I now treat it in my heart as a gift rather than a loan or a co-sign situation. So in my heart, I'm now divesting myself of what I'm doing here. So when you do it, it's as if it's gone. If you get it back, you celebrate. If you don't, that's okay too. Secondly, in the Old Testament, it talked about exorbitant interest and particularly in places, there was places where you wouldn't charge interest. You would loan it and not charge interest to the person so that they would have it. 
So the issue is not don't do it. It just means consider the cost when you do it because if it goes for them, it can go for you. And I put partnerships in there because often when you get into partnerships in a business sometimes that when one partner does something and and does something, you then have to kind of go with him in that. And I'm going to get real technical here. And if the Lord decides to discipline one partner for some other area in his life and it spills over into the business life, you'll be disciplined by the Lord by association with him who's getting disciplined. So the best thing to do is to avoid partnerships with others. And that's what this passage is saying. Now, this is such a rich issue of avoiding partnership that there are so many verses in the book of Proverbs that are warning us from that. Remember, it goes back to what we're teaching here. You can get all this money, but if you have holes in it because you're partnering or you're co-signing for so many people, you're susceptible now to the possibility of now losing what you're trying to put in your bucket because your friend has now shot a hole in the bottom of it and you've got to give it to him. All right, let's go back to the passage. It says, Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debts, if you have nothing with which to pay. Why should he take away the bed from under you? Why should you have to then hawk your furniture to pay off that other guy's debt? And that's why it's saying, avoid that unless you can afford to do that. If you can, then go ahead and do that. Just remember that it's going to fall back on you. Number five, manage it properly. Manage it properly. So once you have it, there's a degree of what you're going to do with it. And this passage is kind of neat because it kind of prepares us for managing our life and what we have. So let's go back to it. Proverbs 27, and it says, Know well the condition of your flocks. In other words, know what you own. And pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever. That means the situation what you have right now is not forever. So those of you that have some money, some resources, it's not forever. You don't know what could happen at any moment that might take it away from you. Uh, Nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass disappears, the new growth is seen, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. In other words, certain things will grow. Sometimes they take time to grow. Sometimes you have a little bit now, it'll grow, but then you could lose it and you have to start over again. The lambs will be your clothing. In other words, manage what you have because eventually you might either have to eat your lamb or wear the lamb's skin for your clothing. That was given to you to manage for your basic needs of life, it's saying. Then it says, and the goats, and bring the price of a field, and there will be goats milk enough for your food, for the food of your household, and sustenance for your maids. So in other words, what you have, you take care of, because it's those very things that might be the very basic needs of your life. Food, clothing, and shelter. That's all in that same context right there. And the idea is to take care of what you have. You might have to eat off of it. You might have to market it. You might have to use it, but God has given that to you. So don't waste it. And watch me say something else but also maintain what you have because take good care of it so that it'll always be there to take care of you. So I would suggest budget. I think it would be important for you to keep good records and, of course, prioritize your spending. Last point, number six, look for the very best buy. Look for the very, very best buy. I think you know that. Everybody hearing my voice hears that, but to look for the best buy, here's what it requires. In your heart, it, ha- it, it, it requires the thought that I might be able to get this cheaper or more cheaply somewhere else. It requires a knowledge of where you can go to get things cheaper or how to do the cost comparison and to know how to do it right. You can spend a, a dollar on something 
to save a dime. You want to save it, but it's costing you a dollar to run all the way to the other side of the island because gas is two cents cheaper over there. You, you know what I'm trying to say. So you have to know how to do the best buy. You also have to know when to pull the trigger because some people can spend a year trying to get the best buy and by the time they're ready to pull the trigger, it's not on sale any longer or it doesn't work any longer. You know, so you have to, when you're getting the best buy, there's a, there's a, 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 a practical way to be able to view this in getting the best buy. Now I thought a great deal. To be able to substantiate this point, I wanted to look in Scripture and I found the virtuous woman. You would think it would be some man, some big whiz guy that was a businessman in the Bible that would do it. It was none other than the virtuous woman. Now this virtuous woman was married and she had children, so she had some form of a household. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to look at this passage because I'm going to take you to just a couple of verses and I want to show you how smart this woman was and it would be a great thing for you men as well to look at this passage to see what you can learn from this virtuous woman that really knew how to balance her household, her business, her family, her social life, the community, as well as honoring her husband as well. So we're going to look at just a couple of verses here and then um, we'll close with a practical application and go home. Proverbs 31, verse 14, it says, She, referring to this excellent woman, this excellent virtuous woman, she is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. So in other words, she will get the best deal from however far she needs to get it as long as it meets the needs of her family and she's done her homework. So she looks far for it. So she might go a little bit further down the road than go to the local convenience store to do her grocery shopping. Drop down, if you will, to verse 19. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,